Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Links and Locks Podcast, the DFS edition. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He's Len Hochberg from Rotowire here to break down the first playoff event. On the PGA Tour schedule, the FedEx St. Jude Championship. I am in Memphis. Was out at TPC Southwind all day. This is Monday evening as we're speaking right now and ready to break it down. Len, there were a ton of players out, more than you'd usually see on a Monday afternoon. And from the few players that I got a chance to speak with on Monday, it seems like it's hot here. It's hot. It's humid. I'm I'm an Orlando guy. I know hot and humid. This is really hot and humid. It's just sticky out there. What it seems like, what some of the players told me is, essentially they're taking two days of practice and work on their game to spread it out over three days. So instead of, hey, let's go really hard Tuesday and Wednesday, it's get some work in Monday. We'll get a little more in Tuesday. We'll get some more in on Wednesday. But a lot of players out here already. And so uh, we've got not 125, 122 on the PGA Tour who are here this week. Three players who are on the eligibility list who won't be here. Maybe it'll be ironic that they could possibly add three more players by the time most people are listening to this podcast, but uh, that is a story for tomorrow. So we'll stick with the players who are in the field right now. And we've seen TPC Southwind for a long time, host of the FedEx St. Jude Classic back in the day. Here's a good one for you, Len. Uh, We were talking about this a little before we started recording the pod. So this used to be the FedEx St. Jude Classic. In 2019, (laughs) it became the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, which means it took on all the history from the WGC Bridgestone Invitational, which meant Tiger Woods, the all-time leading money winner by $8 million (laughs) of that event after maybe never setting foot in Memphis. I don't know if he's ever been to this city. This year, it takes on the history of the old Northern Trust, which was the Barclays before that, because it's the first playoff event, which means the leading money winner now of this current tournament, the FedEx St. Jude Championship, is Dustin Johnson, who coincidentally enough has won twice in Memphis, not coincidentally enough, is no longer a member of the PGA Tour, is ineligible to play this event, and may never play in a FedEx St. Jude Championship. But for now, congratulations, DJ, you're on top of the all-time money list. There's a lot of cross-pollinating going on here this week. Uh, yeah, Tony Finau, is he the defending champion? Abraham answer, well, he's not defending anything. He's not here. So, uh, yeah, good luck uh, figuring all that out. 
So let's get into game theory a little bit. I know you like looking at this and uh, everything we know about this golf course, the second shot golf course. I'm looking at good iron players. What about you this week? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a long par 70 over 7,200 yards. I think that, you know, the thing that stands out is that uh, there's a lot of water on the course. There is more, I mean, everyone thinks of TPC sawgrass and, and, and water and stuff, but Really, TPC Southwind is the leader over the last 20 years in water balls by a large margin, by more than a thousand water balls more at this course than TPC Sawgrass, which is second. TPC Twin Cities might may give it a run for the money in the, in the long run, but water on 11 holes, long par fours, um, eight of them about 450 or longer. The winning score, 16, 16, and 13 under the last three years since it became a WGC. So, yeah, we are looking for second shot iron players. And the thing is, they're going to be hitting from far back. A lot of dog legs here, which sort of blunt the distance off the tee. Longer second shots, small greens, 4,300 square feet. And therefore, greens are going to be missed and scrambling is going to come into play. So uh, I'm actually surprised that the scores get to 16, 16 and 13 the last three years. It seems like there's just a lot of trouble and a lot to negotiate out here for the golfers. The only thing I'll point out, and I talked about the weather earlier, it's hot. It's going to get a little bit cooler throughout the week. Maybe we get a little rain, I think, Thursday and possibly Friday. I, I know a lot of people, it's just it's the inherent sort of knee-jerk reaction. It's TBC South Wind, and it sounds windy. It's not going to be that windy this week. We've seen no. it windy in Memphis in the past, but this week it looks like very moderate breezes, so those scores might be a little lower than we've seen in the past. All right, let's take a look at DraftKings DFS as we do every single week, and at the end we'll make a lineup of six players right here. So starting at the top, no surprise, Rory McIlroy, the favorite in the field this week. He is at 11,000, followed by... Scotty Scheffler at 10-8, Xander Shoffley 10-6, Cameron Smith 10-5, Patrick Cantley 10-3, Justin Thomas 10-2, John Rahm at 10,000. I'm not sure you could find a guy in that bunch where you look at and you say, absolutely not, I hate him. Probably spread it around or, uh, through those guys, but are, are there a couple of guys that you like more than some others? Yeah, and it's nice to see these unfamiliar names back uh, playing, and uh, maybe that's why they yeah. were out on Monday because most of these guys have been off for so long. Since yeah, the point. Open Championship, uh, we expected that to happen. Yeah, there. you know, I, I like a bunch of these guys, and I like the top four most, uh, duh. But McElroy, Scheffler, Shoffley, all great drivers of the golf ball, pretty straight, uh, you know, will get themselves into good position here for, uh, a, sec for a second shot. And, um, you know, I don't know if I like one more than the other. I mean, Scotty Shepard's probably playing worst among those three guys lately. He hasn't won in eight tournaments. Oh, my God, the sky is falling for Scotty Scheffler. And Cameron Smith, he's not a great driver of the golf ball, but Cameron Smith was tied for the lead in this tournament on 18 last year on Sunday and uh, hit it into somebody's backyard, and uh, which is not the preferred way to go. And he ended up, I think, fifth. But So he's not a great driver, but with the greens being missed, small greens, scrambling comes into play, Cameron Smith's wheelhouse. I like him as well for a different reason. Very interesting. You and I are usually in agreement when it comes to the top of the board. Not so much this week. See, well, I, that's I, again, it. not... Not that I'm fading any of these guys at the top. Like I said, I can see putting any one of them in a lineup. Can Rory McIlroy win this week? Yeah, Rory McIlroy can win any week. So can Scotty Scheffler. So can Xander Schauffele or Cam Smith. 
I really like, I'll probably start most of my lineups at the 10-3 and 10-2 spots. Patrick Cantley has been absolutely deadly at non-majors recently. Look, he was runner-up at the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, I know it was a major, but eighth at the Open Championship, fourth at the Scottish Open, 13th at the Travelers, 14th at the U.S. Open, third at the Memorial. Missed the cut at the PGA, but he was runner-up losing in a playoff of the RBC Heritage before that. That's a lot of really good results from Patrick Cantley for a long time. It's really hard to, if you've got the the room to not put Patrick Cantley in a lineup. And then Justin Thomas, the guy who hasn't played his best golf lately. In fact, he's finished outside of the top 50 in two straight starts. The last time he did that was back in the summer of 2017. Within two starts afterwards, he was a major champion for the first time. So he is known to come back from, some bad play. And he is, I, I've said it before, but I think JT is one of the best sort of mad golfers, angry golfers there is in the world. We we see some players who get down on themselves, get a little angry and it affects their game in a negative way. Justin Thomas seems like when, when he's not playing his best golf, all of a sudden it's like, all right, let's go. Come on. And starts to play better golf. He won this event two years ago when it was a WGC event uh, here in Memphis. And so uh, I like those two guys. And Boy, there are a lot of guys with some cheaper prices that you can fit down in the lineup. So you can certainly get some of these big boys in. It's priced uh, on DraftKings very much like a major championship this week. In the 9,000s, Matt Fitzpatrick at 9,800, followed by Tony Finau, Will Zalatoris, Cam Young, Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland. Again, not really a guy up there that I say, absolutely not. I'm not going to play him this week. Victor Hovland is a guy that I'll I'll probably stay away from. Jordan Spieth doesn't have a great record here. What are you thinking about? Yeah, when I see that, whenever I see a tournament where scrambling comes into play, and by the way, the last three winners uh, since it became a WGC, Abraham Answer led the field in scrambling. Brooks Kepka led the field in scrambling, and Justin Thomas was sixth in scrambling. So scrambling matters this week, and that really takes Victor Hovland off my board just about in every situation, even though it's a second shot uh, golf course. Matt Fitzpatrick, what really impressed me about him is that he did not take a step back after winning the U.S. Open. There was no regression, no seller, no long hangover. He got right back Mm -hmm. out there and played well. He has uh, an interesting thing about Matt Fitzpatrick. He is number eight on the DFS board, but co-second at the sports book. Uh, you know, Rory is, is plus 900 and there's a bunch of guys at plus 1400 and mm-hmm. Matt Fitzpatrick is one of them. So obviously some people think very highly of Matt Fitzpatrick. I, I am one of them. You know, he is he is a guy I'm looking at this week. Will Zalatoris finally back on a course where I think he can really shine the last two weeks. I don't know why he played the Rocket Mortgage and why he played the 3M. Why was he playing all these weeks uh, instead of resting up for the playoffs? But those were birdie fests. He did OK but he's not going to really shine there like he can here and beat a lot of these guys. Those are my two favorite plays in the, uh, in the nines. Okay. I'm finally with you then. All right. It (laughs) it didn't take long to get some agreement here. I, yeah, I really like Matt Fitzpatrick. You look at what he's done across the board and strokes gain total has been terrific throughout the year. He's basically done everything really, really well. And yes, you mentioned sort of the discrepancy between where he is in the betting marketplace and where he is in DFS this week. And I really think that you get some value playing him at 9,800 in DFS. So I like that. Tony Finau scares the heck out of me this week. I have no idea. I mean, look, we can get the same Tony Finau that showed up for the 3M and Rocket Mortgage and won each of those tournaments. And 
boy, if we get it, I, I think it's going to be a high ownership percentage. I'm not great, admittedly, uh, at guessing ownership percentages, but I would think that a lot of people would jump on Tony Finau for a third in a row. He can certainly do it. If he plays the way that he did, and I contended this after the Rocket Mortgage, that if Tony Finau plays the way he did, even though it was against inferior fields, he can beat anybody in the world playing like that. And so he's a little bit of an X factor for me. I'll have some Finau, probably not a lot, just because I want to get a little bit different than the masses uh, this week. Will Zalatoris is a guy that I do want to talk about. I've been on him the last two weeks. As you mentioned, a 21st place finish at the Rocket Mortgage, 20th last week at the Wyndham Championship. The interesting thing about last week is that he fired his longtime caddy, Ryan Goble, in the middle of the tournament. I've seen that before, but <laughs> usually it's the guy who's not playing well. Zalatoris wasn't playing badly, got rid of the only guy that's been on his bag since he's turned professional. And so went to his his coach for the final two rounds last week, did play pretty well on the weekend. Now he's got Joel Stock, a longtime PGA Tour caddy. I have no metric lend to back this up. I have no analytics, but what I've seen over the years is that oftentimes when a when elite, an elite level player has a new person on the bag, whether it's uh, just a buddy temporarily, whether it's another caddy, their coach, maybe it's permanent. But once they have a new caddy on the bag, it's almost like they want to show off to that guy. They want to show that guy, hey, I deserve to have you on my bag because look at me now. I They, they tend to grind a little bit hard, harder when they have a new caddy out there. So uh, like I said, Joel Stock's a guy that certainly knows this golf course. He knows the PGA Tour, knows how to caddy. I am not worried about that whatsoever. It's not like Zalator is just putting some random guy on the bag. So I, I do like him once again this week. Could be a good one for him. Let's get down to the 8,000s. And man, is there a sweet spot here? Oh, boy. There's a lot of guys I like here. Morikawa, Burns, M, Matsuyama, Lowry, Horschel, Neiman, and Tom Kim rounding it out at 8,000. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Colin Morikawa has not been Colin Morikawa this year, and and he's 8,700 because of that, but that seems almost too low. Um, and it almost seems like you got to jump on him somewhere, somehow, in because that's a great price. So have to like him, maybe not for the best reasons, just because his price is so low, but got to have him. Sam Burns. Sam Burns, you know, he has a lot of bad weeks. He wins a lot, mm -hmm. and then he sort of goes away for a few weeks. And I don't know, maybe that's a younger guy. Maybe that'll go, you know, go away with uh, maturity, and he'll be he'll be more level and and all of that. But anyway, he's been bad for a while since winning the Colonial. Yeah, and he was second here last year. He lost in the playoff with uh, Matsuyama, who's another guy in, in $200 lower than this. So I do like Sam Burns, maybe more for a GPP play. It's a little bit of a gamble for a, for a cash game if you really need somebody to do well this week. Uh, but I like him. Uh, Matsuyama, I think you have to consider. And Billy Horschel, Billy Horschel's been playing here for years. He was great here when it was a regular tour stop. He was top 10 almost every year. And he has sort of a little bit of regression, but he's finished top 25 all three years that it's been a WGC. So he's down around that 8,200 where you're getting, even if he finishes top 25, you're sort of in good shape. Kim, I loved Kim last week. I loved Kim for a few weeks. I'm really a little concerned. He hit. He doesn't Ooh. hit the ball far. He doesn't. No, I'm very not at all. So I'm very interested because, you, you know, distance – doesn't matter a ton here. There are a lot of dog legs, but he's really short. So uh, I'm going to stay away from him, and I bet you he's going to get a big bounce and people are going to be on him this week. A lot of people are going to be on him. A lot of people are on him last week. A lot of people are on him this week. It's 
the new shiny thing out there and everyone wants to jump on the the new shiny toy to play with that they're going to go out there. I completely agree with you on Morikawa. He's my favorite outright play at 30 to one this week in the betting markets. And I love him at 8,700. I get it. Hasn't been a great season for Morikawa. You go back and look, he's missed the cut in his last two starts, but I don't take too much stock in missing the cut at the Scottish open and the open championship. There's nothing from St. Andrews that goes into playing Memphis three, four weeks later. So I just, I I throw that out. He's still an elite level ball striker, fourth on the PGA tour and strokes gained on approach shots this year. He's still been hitting the ball really well. I I think Morikawa is a smash play this week. I'll have him in a ton of lineups. Sam Burns really like him this week. The problem checking hashtag golf betting, Twitter, over the course of Monday, it seems like everybody is on hmm. Sam Burns this okay. week. And so uh, I'm just going to say, look, I like him. Len likes him. Uh, sometimes you got to zig when everybody else is zagging or you got to zag when they zig either way. In any case, uh, Sam Burns, a guy that, yes, I like him. Len likes him. You like him. Everybody likes him. That might be a reason not to put him in as many lineups this week. I, Shane Lowry could be due for a nice little bounce back. Remember, he didn't get his clubs until I believe Wednesday morning last week in Greensboro. Made the cut, but never really looked good last week. Could be a nice bounce back spot for him. Agree with you on Horschel. I do like him. And yeah, Tom Kim can be on him a little bit. Same thing I said last week, which was last week coming off the seventh place finish in Detroit. He essentially had clinched his card for next season. So he's playing with house money last week playing with nothing to lose. And we saw him playing with nothing to lose. He should have that same feeling this week, which is I just won. They can't take anything away from me. A week ago, I wasn't even in the playoffs. And now they're letting me in the playoffs. I'm in next week already. And so I I don't hate that. Um, It's not necessarily a bad reason to go after a player. I love guys who are playing with that mentality, which doesn't happen too often out here. All right, going down to the 7,000s. Again, plenty of guys we can look at. What are you thinking, Len? Yeah, I'm thinking ball striker here. I'm going to, you know, hit the ball straight, get the ball on the green. If you make some putts, Aaron Wise, 7,700, you know, just seems like a perfect track for him. He's even putting better than he usually does. He's 102nd in putting, and he's usually far worse than that. 102nd is right in the middle of the PGA Tour. Not bad at all. It sounds terrible, 102nd, but it's not. Seamus Power, maybe not playing quite as well as he was at the beginning of the year. We haven't heard too much about him lately, but um, interesting thing about Seamus Power, he's made 15 cuts this year this uh yeah this year and third in this season and 13 of them have been top 25s so he mm. either misses the cut or finishes top 25 in just about every tournament keith mitchell do we have to talk about him again yeah we do we we both talk about him a lot you i know you're huge on him uh just great striker of the golf ball having a great uh having a great season. And, and, you know, when we start to get down around $7,000, I'm going to go all the way down to Emiliano Grillo. And I want a guy guy to make the cut here. I'm going to be, you know, I want to get to the cut. I want to make the weekend uh, 16th on tour in ball striking. I'm obviously playing very well in mediocre fields, a couple of runners up recently, but you know, if you're starting to look for money, uh, you know, guys, when you can't fit a lot in your lineup, Grillo could be a, a good way. You mentioned going after ball strikers, and the top of the 7,000s is loaded with really good iron players. I'll start it with Max Homo, who's been Mr. Consistency, nine top 20s and 16 starts this year. I like him. Russell Henley was my favorite outright play last week. I'm going to jump away from just a little bit because 
I don't know that that ceiling is there for him. I haven't seen that killer mentality down the stretch from Russell Henley. He just doesn't make enough birdies. But as we saw last week, he didn't make a bogey until uh, into his third round. And so he doesn't make too many mistakes. If you're looking for just a good floor play at 7,800, Russell Henley's going to be around. Uh, I do think that he's a nice play this week. Aaron Wise, I've got for a top 10 this week. Love him at 7,700. I can get behind some Davis Riley. Corey Connors, good ball striker. I probably won't have much of him. But again, uh, just that top of the 7,000s loaded with iron players. Chris Kirk is a guy that I will definitely target this week at 7,400. think he's a really nice play. Sahith Figala at the same price. Keith Mitchell, it wouldn't be a links and locks podcast if I didn't mention <laughs> Keith Mitchell's name. I like him every single week. At some point, he's going to do something really special, and I'm going to forget to be on him that week, and I'm going to be punching myself for not getting on that. Uh, and then a couple guys towards the end of the 7,000s. Maverick McNeely, who, again, a nice floor guy at 7,200, where uh, you can spend up and get some of these big boys with Matt McNeely, who's a very, very solid player and has a, a very high floor. And Scott Stallings, I'm, I'm a little worried that the Scott Stallings peak has already happened. He's been 13th or better in his last four starts, but you look at all the numbers and it's like, man, it's really hard to get away from him. At 7,100, it's such a nice-looking play based on the way he's played over his last four starts. But I'm very, very cognizant of the fact that that can all come crumbling down just because it's so hard to keep that going for a fifth start in a row. All right, go down to the 6,000s. I just don't know if there's the reason to go chasing guys with a really low price this week. But if you're not a great player, you're you're not in the field this week. And so these guys are all viable guys to put into lineups. Uh, you start looking down there, and there's some pretty big names. What are you thinking, Len? Yeah, there's a few guys I'm looking at. It, it it's it's not nearly like the seven thousands. It's funny how the seven thousands really look great to us, and the six thousands don't. At least least to me. But um, Matt Kuchar at sixty nine hundred. You know, this course is a long course, a long par seventy. But there are a lot of dog legs, so that sort of blunts distance, and that becomes more of a Shot makers course, you mentioned this is a second shot golf course. Matt Kuchar can make the cut this week. He's made, uh, he missed at the Rocket Mortgage, but before that he made eight in a row. Still really good uh, short game. Uh, he leads the tour in strokes gained around the green. We talked about scrambling earlier and how it can be very important this week. He's 15th in putting. He's 44 years old, has not developed the yips. Uh, Tom Hoagie at $6,800, I think, you know, well, is he going to finish fourth like he did at the 3M Open? No, I don't think so. But I think he's undervalued a little bit at 6,800. Aaron Ride is another. You know, there aren't too many guys in the 6,000s who played this tournament a lot in the last few years at WGC. Aaron Ride qualified for the WGC twice. He's he's familiar with this course. He was 12th one year, 26th last year. And here's a worthless stat I'm going to throw out about Aaron Rye. He's missed five cuts in 2022, only five, which is pretty good. But four of them have been outside the U.S. mainland, two in Scotland, one in the Dominican Republic, one in Hawaii. He's missed only one cut in the four, lower 48. And because I always do one guy under 6,500, Lee Hodges, uh, we've seen him a lot lately. He's been playing pretty well. You need a six guy to squeeze in. He's missed a lot of cuts, but he's come on strong of late, made his last seven of eight, 35th on tour in ball striking. Putting is his problem. I've got three names here for you. Taylor Moore has been playing some great golf, fifth and sixth in his last two starts the previous two weeks. Uh, this guy's really good. 
He's a very good ball striker. I, I think this course will suit him really well. And, uh, and, and it should um, be another good finish for, uh, for Taylor Moore, even though um, he's going up against obviously some much stiffer competition than he's seen in the past. So I do like him at 6,600 Steven Yeager, very similar has been playing very well recently. Um, and he's a guy that I know it's, he's got the German flag next to him. His formative years were spent in Tennessee. And so maybe a little bit of an advantage there. And then my last one, and, and I'll pick a guy under 6,500, like you did. This falls under the category of, I don't want to play him, but you guys, you listeners out there, you can play him. <laughs> Ricky Fowler, it's what? not good right now. What I'll say, though, is that Ricky tends to, throughout his career, play better when he's got all his buddies in the field. When it's an inferior type of field, when he needs to go play well, and he's looking around going, I can't believe I'm playing with all these guys. It just doesn't work out for him. When he's got JT and Jordan and all these guys around him, he feels like he belongs 125th just squeezed into the field this week. I, look, again, I don't want him, but you guys out there, I, you can go play him. There's a little bit of a Ricky uh, premium right there at 6,400 uh, for the last guy in the field. He's There were about 25, 30 guys at 6,300 or less. So it's, it's yep. not quite the Tiger effect, but uh, I think you have to pay a little more to, uh, to play Ricky. We are now joined by the hosts of the Better Golf Podcast, Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar. These guys are golf betting experts and specialists in the finishing position markets here to provide their favorite top five, top 10, and top 40 plays. Thank you, Jason. I will be going through the board for the FedEx St. Jude Classic solo this week, as rumor has it that Nick is still on vacation after his multiple GPP takedowns on DraftKings at the Open Championship. I've made this statement on the podcast in the past that during these star-studded events, the betting board typically shrinks in on us a bit since the cream rises to the top. That doesn't mean you can't play things more aggressively and enter into the top 10 or 20 markets, but my best path to success has always been trying to target those golfers in head-to-head matchups and instead trying to find extended prices down beneath in a much easier to hit top 40 range. Unfortunately, that isn't necessarily going to be the case this week since I am laying juice on two wagers, but I will start with my long shot option of the mix which is Brendan Steele top 40 that is plus 175 on FanDuel, plus 140 on DraftKings. Steele is the largest climber I have in my model when comparing his baseline putting to his splits on Bermuda. And that factor alone is intriguing to me since he has outperformed his two-year totals in every critical metric but putting over his past 24 rounds. If I believe the Bermuda surface might give him a boost with his short game, Steele has real potential to find himself on the first page of the leaderboard. As I move into the last two wagers, I want to first bring up a list of players near the top of my model that saw an increase in expected Bermuda putting. Yes, I don't believe this is a putting contest since we have seen Justin Thomas win this event while losing strokes with his putter in 2020, but the ability to create opportunities with your irons will go a long way in providing yourself as many makeable looks as you can. All of these players I'm about to mention grade near the top of my model in their expected Bermuda upgrade, while also ranking highly from the reweight opportunities gained, plus likelihood to make the putt category that I formed this week. I like that total because it gives us not only who is most likely to make the putt, but also takes into account the sheer number of expected opportunities that might be generated. That list includes the previously mentioned Brendan Steele, Jordan Spieth, Joaquin Neiman, Will Zalatoris, who is number one on my model this week, Emiliano Grio, Corey Connors, Scott Stallings, Aaron Wise, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Most of those are not going to be choices we can bet on unless we choose to lay a substantial amount of juice. But Aaron Wise, top 40, minus 110 FanDuel, minus 115 DraftKings. 
And Corey Connors, top 40, minus 115 DraftKings, minus 135 FanDuel. Both fit the bill of golfers trending in the right direction with their critical ball striking metrics and are still reasonably priced at their totals. Wise ranks ninth in my model from an overall perspective, highlighted by his top 20 mark and weighted tee to green. And Connors is a perfect stylistic fit for TPC Southwind as he ranks inside the top 10 in this field for good drive percentage on difficult hit fairways, GIR percentage, ball striking, and strokes gain off the tee. The Bermuda improvement for both is a massive boost to my projection since the ball striking totals are already there. And you can consider this an alternative way to back each if you are worried about their DFS ownership totals on a site like DraftKings. So that will be Brendan Steele plus 175 on FanDuel, Corey Connors minus 115 DraftKings, and Aaron Wise minus 110 FanDuel as my three placement bets this week. And if you're looking to hear Nick's takes or the rest of our betting cards, you can tune into Better Golf Podcast to get any of those answers. Good luck this week to everyone wagering money on the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And I will kick it back over to you, Jason. All right. We got to race through our lineup here, Len. So let's go. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. Six players, 50,000 to spend. Start us off. Where are you going? Well, we were really different at the top. So I'm going to I'm going to avoid the top for now. And uh, I know we had some common ground with Aaron Wise at seventy seven hundred dollars. Obviously, a a guy who could fit into any lineup in that price may be a popular pick because of that price. Seventy seven hundred. But like I always say, don't shy away from a guy if you really like him. You have five other ways to find separation from from the people you're playing against. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm going to go to a player that we both thought is tremendously undervalued. We talk about this being a second shot golf course. He's one of the best iron players in the world. He's only 8,700 this week. I'm going to lock in Colin Morikawa. I like everything about him this week. I'm not worried about those missed cuts in his last two starts. I never heard of a golfer, an iron player going into a slump the way he has. I mean, you know, your putters got all of a sudden they can't make a putt and anything, but, but this has been just unbelievable what's happened and uh, to him, but, but he's too good to, to be down for too long. Okay. I will say, uh, when, I got, when I got to the course Monday morning, Len, the first player I saw on the range, Colin Morikawa. Good. Yeah. Good for him. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just not this whole thing about not showing up to a course uh, beforehand or getting there, but so good that he got there early. Maybe, maybe you know, my plan wasn't working out, so I've got to get there. Um, okay. I, I think we're on this guy as well. Going to go up a little bit here. Will Zalatoris, 9,500. We'll see if this starts to squeeze us with money. I don't think it will just yet at 9,500, but I think it's probably going to take us out of a $10,000 guy. But Will Zalatoris really is a $10,000 guy without the $10,000 price, 9,500. I feel like I like that a lot. Uh, Again, with the new caddy on the bag, I I think it's going to be a nice week for him. There are a lot of guys in the 7,000s who have a really high floor. I'm looking at Russell Henley, but I'm going to dig a little bit lower just so we can save a little money here. I don't think Chris Kirk is going to have a lot of ownership this week. He just shows up every single week. He essentially plays either really well or pretty well. It's not really too many down weeks for Chris Kirk. He doesn't shoot a whole lot of big scores. So I do like Chris Kirk this week at 7,400. All right. So we have got 16-7, 83.50 per minute. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to go low. I'm going to give people a guy who I think can make the cut and uh, and then 
you can have it. You can have at it, uh, or almost have at it. And uh, and I'm going to go with Aaron Rye. I really like the fact that he has played this course twice and stood up against the top guys in the in the game and had uh, a top 12. And and what the other one was 26. So he the, granted there was no cut, maybe not as much pressure in the WGC, but he's played this course and he's a good iron player as well. 6800. That leaves me 9,900 left, and I'll spend as much as I can spend. The guy that we both like, we both talked about him earlier, the U.S. Open champion, Matt Fitzpatrick. He's having a tremendous year. Would not surprise me whatsoever if he finishes this year with another win, throw it on top of that U.S. Open victory. He's at 9,800. We leave $100 out there, and uh, that's the lineup. Fitzpatrick, Kirk, Morikawa, Rye, Wise, Zalatoris. I like that, Len. Yeah, I mean, we have... In effect, two, maybe even three $10,000 guys. I mean, Fitzpatrick and, and Zalatoris are right there, just, just below that. And you could convince me that Colin Morikawa on any given week could be a $10,000 guy. I think it's a nice play because, as we talked about earlier, there are so many guys that you could fit into a lineup that I think a lot of people are going to go to at least one, if not two players that are 10000 or more. So if you're looking to build a lineup that's more balanced, with nobody in the 10,000s, I think you can differentiate pretty well this week. So uh, there's a the lineup. Fitzpatrick, Kirk, Morikawa, Rye, Wise, and Zalatoris for this week's FedEx St. Jude Championship. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to this edition of the Links and Locks podcast. Remember, you can find us every single week, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and of course, listen to us every week. I'm Jason Sobel. He's Len Hochberg. Good luck with your DFS lineups for this week's FedEx St. Jude Championship. Here's hoping you hit the green.